Welcome to the Exitable Business Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you prepare your business for a quick and highly profitable exit, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to maximize the value and attractiveness of your company, all while improving your work-life balance. And now, here is your host, highly sought-after business coach and certified exit planning advisor, Patrick Rogers. All right, welcome to the Exitable Business Podcast. My name is Patrick Rogers, and today we have the amazing Wendy Barlin joining us. And uh, what I'd love to do is just give a little introduction about Wendy. She, she's had over 25 years uh, in experience as a CPA, has helped thousands of business owners to implement tax and cash flow strategies. And, and Wendy actually grew, uh, owned and grew her own accounting practice to over 1.5 million in annual business and, and sold it. So I'm really excited to have Wendy on the show today. She has so much value to give, not only as an accountant, but as somebody who has actually sold her own business. And so, uh, Wendy, it's, just, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Patrick. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, awesome. So um, I'd love to kick it off. T tell us, uh, you know, the, the typical icebreaker, right? What, what something, uh, tell us something interesting about yourself that, that most people don't know. Well, well, I came to America with a bag of dirty clothes in 1997. But before that, I wow. had been backpacking around the world for a year by myself. Oh my um, gosh. From Australia, New Zealand, 26 American states on a Greyhound bus into Canada and over to Western Europe. I spent a year living wow. out of a backpack and it was the most amazing experience. Now that I'm a mom with kids, I can't imagine that my parents let me do that because uh -huh. it was before cell phones and oh I had to send a fax letting them know where I was. But it was the most uh, amazing experience and I am still in touch with people today that I met back then. Wow. So, so you, did you sell your business and then go do this? Was this like, no, was this... I did this when I was 25. I was out of college. Wow. I had my chartered accountancy license and my parents said to me, you know, before you get settled, settled with kids and a house and a mortgage and a husband and a job, go explore. Okay. Gotcha. People. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And you're still in touch with those people. Yeah, that's awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. Very cool. So, so tell us, uh, you know, a little bit more, Wendy, about you, about your journey, you know, your career, what led you into accounting and, you know. So I like worked at different accounting firms. I mean, nobody grows up going, when I grow up, I want to be an accountant. Well, no girls in princess dresses do, right? But I knew that it was a door opener for me. And it was a career that would always put food on the table for me. And so that's why I chose it. And I worked yeah. at several accounting firms for years. And every time it was the same, they were all about that billable hour and less focused on actually helping anybody. Because when mm. you're billing by the hour, you can't help people. You're right. so focused on the dollars that you've got to right. get off the phone. And you, you can never pressure. say, hey, Patrick, how was your vacation? Because no client wants to pay for that conversation. No. So after about 10 years of that, I quit. I just quit. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do it. And I went out on my own and started my own firm. And I decided no more billable hours. Everything on the flat fee basis, just like a restaurant. Here's the menu of services. Pick what you want and pay for it. And yeah. then we get to work. And that was really the premise that helped me build my business. 
Gotcha. Yeah. That, that really, that kind of that value first, that customer service first versus worrying about how much you, you, you know, you're going to make. And that's, you know, that's, that's a great philosophy, right? If you, if you help people out and that's your first goal, then the money will be there. Correct. And people don't complain about paying. The first thing they say is, wait, I've never had a CPA or a tax accountant charge me that way before. That doesn't seem right. And then I explain to them why and what it's going to be like. And then we never look back. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So let's dive in a little bit more into, into your business that, you know, you had the accounting firm for 25 years or uh, not the full 25 years. So I bought a small practice myself. So I know what it's like to buy a business. Okay. I bought a business in 2011 for $150,000. That's what the revenue was. Wow. 150,000. And it was just me and I bought it and then I grew it until 2021 when I sold it. I had five team members at the time. So I grew it myself and we pretty much grew about 10% net on the top line every year. So we would lose a few clients, but we were always 10% up every year. Yeah. Uh, it was hard. I worked really hard, but I believed in what I was creating. I really believed that this flat fee service-based model yeah. is the way forward. And mm. arguing about hourly rates is a fight to the bottom. And I mm. wasn't going there. So I built something really special. I loved it. But then I turned 50. And I'd done 25 tax seasons in the States. And that's harrowing. It's harrowing on my life. It's harrowing on my health. It's hard on my family. So I decided that my business was at the peak in the industry. Yeah. We were completely virtual. We had no office. We went to that in 2018, way before COVID. So we were wow. ahead of our time. Right. We were completely virtual. We were flat fee based. And we were nationwide. So that made us extremely desirable. And where mm. I was sitting last year, I started to see other firms catching up. I started to see other firms because of COVID going virtual and starting sure. to duplicate what I was doing. You were so already I there. wanted to sell while I was still ahead. I was still extremely desirable to traditional wow. firms yeah. who were saying, we want what you have. We want to take what you've learned. We want to take your systems and implement them. So that's why I decided to sell, I think probably five to 10 years ahead of where most people would think about selling. Mm. Yeah, very good. So um, are you at privilege to share how much you sold the business for? So I sold, this is really interesting. When I went to sales, I got everything from one to one times revenue to two times revenue. I got offers from, we'll give you 10% down and pay you the rest over five years. Yeah. I got all sorts of offers and it was really interesting. Mm. What I chose was not the highest offer. What I chose was the middle offer at 1.4 times revenue. And the reason I chose this particular buyer is, what, is that I liked him. I liked the way he was running his business and I liked who he was. Mm. And at the end of the day, what I tell my colleagues and friends who are thinking about selling is that it's not only about money. I, I, I wish it was, but I'm not a car salesman. You know, it's not only about the money. It was not to me 
about getting the biggest dollar I could get. It was about 250 clients and a team of five people who trusted me. And I am now handing them over to someone else. I needed to hand that over with the highest level of integrity. So it was not the highest bidder, but the best bidder that I chose. So, so that person had kind of a culture fit to your core values. They were, they were most likely to come in and it'd be kind of seamless for your team and, 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 and continue on with your legacy. Correct. Whereas I've heard so many horror stories about businesses that get purchased and then just cult. They fire the staff, they get rid of the top, you know, the bottom 60% of the clients, and they only keep the top 20%. And I didn't want that to happen because I still have to get up and look in the mirror every day and feel good about the choices that I've made in my life. And, um, you know, yes, I would have loved the extra money, but at the end of the day, I had to make the decision that was the right decision across every facet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I think the difference in pricing Um, For people who are thinking about selling, I was talking to another accounting firm owner just over the weekend, and she said to me, I don't think I have anything to sell. And and this is where really your value gets determined in that she is one person with a couple of hundred clients and she works them all herself. She has no team and no system. So what is she going to sell? She's five years out from selling because she needs to put the systems in place or she's going to sell her client list, but it's going to be at 80 cents on the dollar at best because somebody's just buying a list. Whereas what I had spent the time building was systems, teams. And so somebody naturally replaced me. I mean, I left the chair and somebody else sat in the chair and the world as my clients knew it and my team knew it continued. And I think anyone who's even thinking about sales, if you want to sell now and sell it as it is, sure, you're going to take a hit on the price. You want to sell for top dollar or at least get top dollar offers, then you need to put be a little more strategic before you go to sales. Yeah. And, and so it's very interesting. It's so many people are all about creating sales and revenue, right? But, right. but they're not about creating that transferable value or, you know, the other way to put it is that, you know, the product is the company. And, and it sounds like, I mean, you, you got that so early on why, or how do you think you got that? What, what, because most business owners don't, right? I mean, right. 99% of the people we talk to. So what was it that led you to put all of that in place years? I mean, you had that in place five years before you even think about selling, really? Needed, you know, first of all, I bought a business. So I saw the process from the other side, you know, as a ah, buyer. Yeah. I okay. saw what they were offering me <laughs> yeah, and what yeah, I totally. was paid for and what would be valuable to me as a buyer. I saw yeah. that firsthand. There were also some bumps along the way that I learned the hard way when I sure. bought that business. Yep. But then in addition, I did a lot of self-educating. You know, people think because I'm a CPA and an accountant, that yeah. I just know all this financial stuff. Simply not true. <laughs> we spent four years in school doing economics and all yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't teach Book you smart. About the real world. Yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of self-educating. I went to a lot of seminars. I took a lot of classes. I think that's really important for everybody to embrace learning. Mm. Read the books. Go to the seminars. Not necessarily Google. 
but go to estate planning, go speak to consultants, speak to lawyers, and educate yourself about what's out there and how this system works, because that's your best tool. Yeah. So, so we kind of talked about, you know, almost like being the replaceable owner, right? I mean, you said it yourself, you know, I was able to pick myself out and just put somebody else in. It was an easy, and, and obviously that value comes along with that. So how about um, actually areas relating to tax preparation and financial preparation? This is, again, you know, coming back to your bailiwick, what kind of things does an owner need to be thinking about uh, and how far in advance should they be thinking about that for selling their company? Uh, can you hear my dog barking? A little bit. <laughs> what kind of dog is he? Let me move him. He's a woodle. One second. <laughs> He's driving me crazy. Uh, it's all good. Sorry about that, Patrick. Oh, no problem. He was barking at, I just moved him to another part of the house. So, um, when it comes to the when it comes to the work itself that needs to be done, yeah. that's where you have to have the systems and the team in place that continue. Sure, because absolutely. <clears throat> clients at the end of the day, and this is the part I think that hurt my feelings the most. Clients at the end of the day didn't really care about me. They cared about their results and how their comfort, right? And so as long as things didn't change for them, they really didn't care that it wasn't me. And that was kind of an ego squish because- Right, yeah, because we think the other way around. Right, we think we're so important and we're really not because as long as they get their financial statements by the 15th of the month, as long as their tax returns are done accurately and presented to them in the same way that they were used to, Sure. He really just doesn't care that it wasn't me. And so that's where, you know, the expectations and the systems are so important. Now, we did have some blips along the way. We absolutely did. Um, it, it's not as easy as it sounds. They were definitely clients that raised their hand and said, mm. I don't like this person. I don't like change. They're always going to be those people. And we smoothed them out and we're doing our sure. best. Rule of thumb is you can often most often lose 20% after the first year. Mm -hmm. So for anyone buying, just Mm. know that when you buy a business, and and I found this to be true in my case too, we, I lost 20% after the first year. The first year, almost everybody stayed, but by the second year, 20% had left. And it wasn't because I did a bad job or they didn't like me. I mean, it might've been because they didn't like me, but most of it was (laughs) kind of looking for an excuse to leave anyway. Yeah. And so this was their excuse. They were going with their brother or their neighbor or right. someone cheaper. So it happens. And I think when you do your math, you have to know that about 20% will leave. And I told my buyer, I said, look, I'm going to work really hard to keep you as many people as I can keep you. 
But I know that history shows that about 20% of people will lose. You're definitely going to have that churn. And there's, there's absolutely things you can, you can do to help alleviate that. But you know, that's, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so what about um, actual tax uh, and financial preparation prior to selling and, and, you know, any advice for, for business owners yeah. there? So a lot of clients are uh, always very concerned about running personal titles great area expenses through their financial mm. statements. Mm -hmm. But I would say don't worry about that because buyers know that that happens. You know, any business it's owner with consult is yeah. running great area expenses through their business. That's the whole joy of the American tax system. Right. So when it comes to selling, what you do is you have adjusted financials. So we have our financials that match the tax return. Mm. And then we have pencil financials where there's a column with add back. Kind of and the normalized means, version. Yes, exactly. Where you pull out all the things yeah. that are, you know, lunch, maybe a Hawaii vacation, maybe my husband's death, my husband's car, whatever those gray area things are, you pull them out and any buyer will understand what that is. Now, you still need to show profit. You know, you still need to show consistent gross profits and net profits because some, that's what they're buying and they need to be able to see how this business will be profitable for them. So I think, you know, financials, of course, but financials at any point in your business are critical. I think I spend nine hours a day telling people you've got to have real financial statements. An yeah. Excel spreadsheet is not a financial statement. You've <laughs> you got actually... <laughs> to have professional financial statements and your mom or your wife or your granny or your son doing yeah. your bookkeeping on QuickBooks. Not a good idea. That is not okay. I've actually had some clients who've lost sizable deals because their bookkeeping wasn't any good. Um, nothing is going to scare a buyer more than bad record keeping. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's really sage advice. So you've actually had clients that, that were doing their bookkeeping on Excel spreadsheets and, and trying to sell a business. Uh, with yeah. That. I had a, a, a medical client in Los Angeles. He had a big office, 10 or 12 people, but what? he had his office manager doing the bookkeeping in QuickBooks. And so he got an offer from a firm based in Texas uh -huh. and they sent the list of queries about the QuickBooks file. And he did his best to answer them. And he even sent it uh -huh. to me and I'm like, oh, I don't even know what half the stuff. Yeah. And the buyer said, uh, uh no, because if we can't trust your numbers on which everything is based, then what else are we going to find? What else is going on? So I think you show who you are as a business owner by having professional financial statements and professional tax returns. Yeah, I love that. That's such great advice. And it's so true too. I, I've seen it uh, myself as well. So how about um, auditing is uh, having, you know, annual audits, like, let's say I know that I'm going to sell in five years from now, is having an audit done annually? Uh, would that something that would uh, buyers find uh, attractive? No, Patrick, you really don't need to worry about audits anymore. They mm. are something that's kind of gone the way of the dodo. And only, uh, only really large uh, listed. Really big companies. Gotcha. Audits. Yeah. So right now, as long as you have financial statements that match bank statements that match a tax return, you're so actually reconciliations out. happening and, and in line. Okay, great. Yeah, okay. With nothing that would make a buyer go, and what is this? Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes, right? Would you buy something where the financial statement <clears throat> had all kinds of weird things? Yeah. You wouldn't want to do that either. Um, and the other piece of advice I have is 
not to stretch the payment out too far. I don't know how many of you have ever been divorced, but I'll tell you that after the first year of making alimony payments, it just gets miserable. Writing mm. that check seems to get more and more painful every month. And it's the same when you buy or sell a business. The, the business that I bought, I was fortunate enough to have a five-year payout because mm. it helped me as a buyer, right? Because I didn't have the cash. Right. So it helped me. But even by the time I got to year three, making those payments to the seller every month was just so painful. I wanted to be done. I hated paying them. By that time, we had fights and arguments. It was awful. And so I, if you're the buyer and you need to get, and you could get a five-year payment plan, do it. Yeah. But yeah. I certainly feel like as the seller, your best bet is 100% cash up front. <clears throat> or 80% cash up front with a tail of one year or maybe three years. But mm. I don't think I would ever go further than three years again because even three years is a long time to wait for those payments. And what if someone stops paying? Now you've got to get a lawyer and sue them. And, oh, I just want my money. I want to wish you the best. And then yeah. part ways. Yeah, 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 totally. So, you know, obviously uh, on the show, this is the Exitable Business Podcast. It's all about, you know, how to prepare your business for exit, but it's also about how to, you know, make your business as profitable as possible, pay the least amount of taxes as possible, which is your bailiwick. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to dive in a little bit and 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 kind of pull some knowledge out of you and share with the, the learned readers uh, or listeners about, you know, some of the some of the best tips and tricks out there or you know the top three things that your cpa probably isn't telling you you know right. things like that what, 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 right. what, uh... so, i love that and and i wish i had all day because yeah. all day topic but <laughs> i think if i was going to tell the listeners one thing i would tell them it doesn't matter what kind of entity you are it doesn't matter whether you're an llc or an s corp or a delaware corporate doesn't matter anything is deductible for your business that is ordinary and necessary that's what the law says. Done. You're all ready. Mm. That's what the law says. Anything is deductible that is ordinary and necessary for your business. So you can see how extremely broad that is. Yeah, totally. And from this day forth, I want everybody, anytime you spend a dollar to say to yourself, hmm, could I make a claim that this was a necessary business expense? Mm. Now, there are three things that are flatly denied. And I want to be really clear about those. We never go in the areas that are against the law. Because if you get found doing these three things, they will throw the book at you. Mm. So I'm all about playing in the gray. I'm all about ordinary. And sure, necessary. sure, sure. Yeah. No clothing. No clothing. Unless no clothing. it says the name of your podcast on or if it, it, it's um, logo on your shirt, you can right. do that. Okay. But simply to say, I need to look good because I'm on the screen every day. This yeah. goes all the way to tuxedos for limousine drivers dresses for the oscar awards not deductible got it wow i would have again i i would have thought you know hey uh i'm going to present so i want to get a nice suit a thousand dollar suit if i do that that's that's, that's a no-no no. no. wow that is yeah okay great the second one is golf dues so if you play a round of golf the actual golf dues are not deductible meals that you might eat at the clubhouse are but the actual golf dues are not deductible and your gym fees are not deductible, which is really crazy because we have an <laughs> obesity issue in this country. Yeah. The gym fees are not deductible. So those are the three things that I tell people, just don't go there. Why look for trouble? Let's say in the other areas. 
And so where I like to have people play is in areas that are really hard to audit, like business meals, gas in your car, mm. business gifts, everything you need a receipt for. Mm. Anything that you spend over $25, you need a receipt for. Credit right. card statement is not a receipt. You need an actual receipt or a PDF or a JPEG of a receipt, okay? But then if, God forbid, you get audited and you show up with your stick drive full of JPEGs, yep. and the IRS little gray man in his little gray office uh -huh. says, yep. okay, Patrick, all these meals, who did you have dinner with? And you go, oh, well, I had dinner with Wendy, and I had dinner with my lawyer, and I had dinner with a, a podcast a producer, and on and on and on. And he goes, okay, check. Right. No auditor in my 25 years of doing this is going to call me up and go, Miss Barland, did you right. have dinner with Mr. Rogers yeah. on third wow. and Impossible. This is so, just, this is an awesome little nuggets here. This is right? so, so valuable. You can be, if you can have a list, of meals that were ordinary and necessary for your business. So be reasonable. If you bring in $100,000, don't spend 50000 on meals. That would be very hard to make a case. But if you spend five or 6000 sure. on meals, sure. that seems reasonable. Check done. <clears throat> have your receipts and have your business purpose. Yeah, um, the same with cars. That. You know, there are a lot of apps where you can track your mileage. Okay, you can do that if that's your thing. When I've taken clients through audits, we walk in with our calendar yeah. that we made on the weekend before the audit, <laughs> and we show it to the auditor, and he just chuckles, and he's like, all good. How about I give you 75% of it? And I'm like, 75? No way. I want 50. And we end up negotiating it out because they know there is nothing legitimate about anybody's auto log, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Making it up. Again, how do they know that on March 3rd, you drove 30 miles? Right. And on March 10th, you drove... They don't. They don't. So it's about ordinary and necessary. It's mm. about be reasonable in what you're deducting. Yeah. And then have your receipt. Yeah, love that. Very cool. So... Um, if there was one thing that if you are going to leave with people who are thinking about selling their business, right. what would be the biggest takeaway from today that you would leave with them? I think you need to know what you want. What do you mm -hmm. want out of this? Because mm -hmm. for me, I wanted out. I didn't want to do another tax return. <laughs> I'd done 25 tax seasons. I was done. So I wanted out and I wanted a good home for my clients and my team. And yes, I wanted money, and I kind of had a number in my head that I wanted. But right. with my bottom line, I wouldn't take less. I think it's really important to know what you want. Don't let the buyers dictate what they will give you. Mm. You need to know what you want. And for every single person, it's something different. Some people want to continue working as an employee. Some people want to sign it over and walk away. So everybody wants something different. So I think it's really important to look in the mirror and decide what you want out of this sale and then set ahead to get it, whether it's in the short term or whether it's five or 10 years out. You know, yeah. I do that now with clients, say to them, where does this go? Mm. Is this a lifestyle business that pays for your retirement or is this something you sell in five or 10 years? You need to decide that now. Wow. Um, of yeah, course, it can change and I was going to hold it to you except you, but to have that plan in mind so that you know where you're going, I think that's the biggest piece. And then of course, 
have good advisors on your side. Google is not your advisor and nor are your buddies on the golf yeah, no, I love that. And it's exactly the same thing we, we, we preach is, you know, three to five years, at least three years. Oh my gosh. If we have five years, oh, we can, you yeah. can do so much better and just getting really clear on, right. on the exit. Right. And, th- and that way you can kind of dictate what you do in the meantime. Right. Now, I'm, I'm and don't have- be scared to take your tax deductions because the buyer will normalize those when you get to that point. Yeah. And obviously there's excessive stuff, right? We don't yeah. want to be too excessive. Yeah, no. And listen, I always tell my clients, pigs get slaughtered. Pigs get slaughtered. Don't be greedy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I'm going to have you share your website and how people can contact you. But before we do that, uh, for, for listeners, business owners, uh, you know, w- what are the different ways that, that you could help uh, business owners and what kind of things can you offer for them? So... Uh, if you have an accountant you don't like or who's really bad, I can help you find a good one. <laughs> I have a okay. lot of contacts across the U.S., fantastic yeah. accountants that I can refer you to. Uh, it's really important that you don't work with someone where you show up with an envelope of stuff and get a tax return out the other side. You need an advisor. That person mm-hmm. is behaving like a computer. You, yeah. you, you don't need that. You need an advisor, someone you talk to all year long, someone who does tax planning with you. So I think if you don't have that person, let me know, and I'll gladly help you find someone better. Um, right now, my focus is teaching, and I'm running an eight-week class called That's Deductible, eight weeks oh, with wow. me, and it's almost like Tupperware. You yeah. buy it once, and uh-huh. it will keep on working for you for many, many, many years to come awesome. because the tax principles I'm teaching are evergreen. So the things like meals and entertainment, those kinds of things are evergreen. There are slight changes in the law every year, but the basic principles of ordinary and necessary have been around for 100 years and will continue. And so I'm teaching business owners uh, eight weeks, eight different sections of tax law in Zoom. So come and join me. It's going to be fun. And and, uh, instead of giving you the fish, I'm teaching you the fish. Well, and I love that too, because right now, I mean, what, what are the resources that are out there? We typically have to go to Barnes and Noble or get a book and um, we're business owners. We don't have time for that kind of stuff, but to consume something, you know, you could put it on your phone, listen to it, yeah. you know, you know, maybe not watch it, but you know, uh, you, you know, that, so that's awesome. Uh, and it's an Thank eight week you. course uh, and, and pretty much gives them what they need to know to be able to get their taxes down to the lowest possible. Correct. And it takes the books and digs a little deeper and a little more personal. So we're in groups of 10. So it's actually about you and your business and your life. Um, Because I've read all the books. I love reading. I'm a huge reader, but it only takes you so far, you know, and then I have questions. So um, having, you know, run a business all those years, there were so many people I couldn't help. I didn't have enough hours in the day. And now I do. So now I'm able to go back and truly help all the people out there who have tax questions on returning to Google. Which yeah. Is awesome. Well, Wendy, how do people find you? So I'm at wendybarland.com. Best way to reach me, wendybarland.com. There's free resources, lots of tax stuff you can download. Uh, you can email me directly from there and you can sign up for the eight-week program. Um, that's the best way to everything's at wendybarland.com. Very cool. And that's wendybarland, B-A-R-L-I-N.com, right? Got it. Awesome. Okay. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show. I just, I can't even like, 
wrap my head around all the nuggets that you threw out there for the listeners. And, and I know everybody that listens to this is just going to walk away with so much. So it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and having you on the show. And, and gosh, thank you so much for, for being on here. Well, you're most welcome. And I wish everybody lots and lots and lots of dollars. Absolutely. All right. Thank Thanks you. a lot, everyone. All right. Bye, Wendy. Thank you, Patrick. You take care. Let me know when you have something you want me to send out. Will do. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Exitable Business Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at exitable.io for much more valuable information and free resources on how you can exit your business quickly and for much more than you thought possible.